to talk to you about the subject of influence. The subject of influence, it's a, it's a big thing, something maybe you don't think a lot about. Uh, a lot of people feel they're insignificant. Um, we come into this world, as soon as we come into this world, we begin to influence. Uh, Troy, when he was born, uh, the doctor held him by one leg and the other leg flopped down. And uh, he screamed. Coming out of 99.6 to about 62 degrees. That's the temperature of the operating room. Back when Troy was born, they still went, took into the operating room with stainless steel and 62 degrees. And nobody could go in there but people like the nurses and the doctor. No, no, thank God they didn't want, I didn't ask me to go in there. I wanted nothing to do with the birth, nothing to do with it. I wanted her and God to work that out, and they did. And so, uh, but that kid came out. How do I know this? I was looking through a window. That's all they let me have is a little window, about like this, about like this, observing it. And then as soon as Troy came out, he, he screamed. He began to influence the world. He's been influencing the world ever since. You literally have an influence whether you like it or not. I mean, you do. And we're going to talk about that. Am I getting ready to pass out? or uh, uh, feel like the light's coming and going, Doc. I don't know. It's, uh, I, hope, I hope it helps you. I'm going to bring up some th thoughts tonight about it. Romans chapter 14, 1 through 7. I'm going to read that in a moment. But we start influencing those around us as soon as we're born. Some people, however, think that nobody really notices them, that they're insignificant. There is no such person. The truth is nobody knows how much and how far your influence goes. It's not possible to know. Humanly, it's not possible. You may influence one person for good or for God in an entire lifetime who in turn may influence thousands or hundreds. And one of those people may influence, yay, millions of people. The old shoe, shoe salesman that led D.L. Moody to Christ, and he had a million conversions. I mean, I'm talking from historical fact. The person who led Gypsy Smith to Christ preached all over England. The person, you know, who led those guys, somebody had to lead those people to Jesus, amen. Um, John Wesley, by his mother, and influence of her was so great upon him and, and how, how, how powerful his ministry. By the way, old-timey, fundamental Methodists were solid as a rock. They loved Jesus, loved the old King James Bible, believed in holiness of life, and... Uh, we disagreed on a couple of theological points, but not much. I mean, uh, bottom line is they believed you possibly could lose your salvation, but I'm like, I never spoke to one who thought they were going to. But nevertheless, I believe it was Wesley rode 50 years on a horse as an itinerant preacher preaching the gospel. He knew the book. 
and he knew the book, and he loved God. And I'm just really, this is a phenomenal influence. What about, what about the person who influenced Thomas Edison? Tonight, we're under somewhat of his influence with having light. You know, before, we'd have gas lamps in here. Years ago, you needed a fire department. I'm going to get personal here. Years ago, you needed a fire department. We don't need them anymore. We don't need a fire department every neighborhood that costs three million bucks a building. And they don't need to sleep in luxury and have everything massive, you know, luxury like they have. We really don't. We can let all the houses that burn now burn to the ground and it would be cheaper than hiring that many firemen. $31 million just for our little area here. It's an atrocity upon our society, to be honest with you. And I'm speaking by the words of Chris Powell right now who knew about that pretty well. But nevertheless, back in the time when you had gas lamps, you needed firemen because about every building burnt down every so often. Somebody would knock the lamp over, the, you know, the gas would, and the thing, it was dangerous having open flame in a building. O.C.H. Spurgeon's church, I forgot how many times that thing went down. Two or three times the thing burned down because they had a bunch of people in a room and they had all these gas or oil, they were whale oil, lights burning. And now things are so safe, man. They have got this thing figured out. And you rarely ever, I've never even known anybody to have a fire in their house that burned it down. Not one person in my whole sphere of influence has had a fire. So I'm over that. But anyway, Thomas Edison. Who in the world influenced that boy? How about Mr. Ford that figured out the assembly line? Came up with the idea, hey, we can make these things better and cheaper if we make them on an assembly line. Uh, how about how about Mr. Firestone, who experimented with rubber over and over and over, and came up with a? My dad said on those Model A's, Model T's, that you couldn't go 20, 25 miles after have have, you'd have a flathead change tire. He went from Elkhart to South Bend to see a girlfriend, and he had to change his tire going once and coming back once. I said, was it worth it? He said it was. I said, was it my mother? He said it wasn't. He wasn't married to her yet. He hadn't met her. But anyways, he, he, uh, he, he had two flat tires. And I mean, what in the world? I mean, now you get a flat tire, it's like an anomaly. Nobody, I bought a new car in 2015, didn't even have a, have a spare in the thing. I went back there and looked and it was open, there was nothing there. I said, where's my spare? And the guy said, oh, that's a thing of the past. You don't even need a spare. And I said, you are out of your mind. I want a spare. 371 bucks later, I said, you're not going to give me that spare? He said, no. You want a spare, you're going to pay for it. I paid for it, put it in there. And we used it, brother. With my wife, you, you better have two spares. She does things that I'm not sure possible physiologically. And through. One time she ran over, a, she gave me a call. She says, I'm down the road, I got a flat tire. And I says, it was just down our little dirt road down the road just a little ways down. She said, I got a flat tire down the road. I says, what in the world? You got a flat tire? So I run down there, and I took some of that green slime, you know, that stuff, you, you put it, and it blows your tire up. 
I put that thing on her, and I saw all that, all that stuff coming out everywhere. I go, wait a minute. She ran over a screwdriver that went through the tire and through the wheel. It was an aluminum wheel, fancy aluminum wheel. It cost me 500 bucks to get that thing replaced. I'm not bitter. But thank God we had a spare. Thank God we had a spare tire. She says, I don't know how that happened. Never does. But uh, I think who in the world, who in the world was instrumental in, in, uh, <clears throat> in influencing a shoe cobbler, William Carey? or Adoniram Judson, the first American missionary, or Dr. Livingston, the one who opened Africa up for all those who came after him, or Bob Jones Sr., uh, a little poor boy in Mississippi who was a, a nobody, or Jack Hiles, which was a little poor boy in Texas without even a daddy, uh, uh, raised by his mama, or John R. Rice, who all these men I've just mentioned here reached thousands, yea, hundreds of thousands of people. Somebody had an influence in their life. I believe God has kept it a mystery uh, that we do not know and cannot know the far-reaching effects of what we do. It just wouldn't be good for us. It wouldn't be good for us. And so he keeps it a secret, but he has given us a heads up. And here it is. Let me start reading in verse 1, chapter 14. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. You could put in there, for one believeth that he can wear a mask, and another who is weak doesn't believe he has to wear a mask. This applies to this, by the way. Let it, not, let it not him that eateth or has a mask despise him that has not a mask. And let not him which eateth not judge him, which is maskless judge him who has a mask. For God hath received him. Now you can read that in your Bible. Obviously say the mask and maskless is not there. But as I'm reading it, I'm thinking that's exactly what's going on. The liberals are trying to divide us from each other. Look, you want to wear a mask, I'm good with it. You don't want to wear a mask, I'm good with it. You want to get a vaccine, I'm good with it. You don't want to get a vaccine, I'm good with it. Do whatever your conscience tells you to do. It's between you and God. That's what Romans 14 is all about. Quit hating everybody or getting mad at everybody, acting like people without masks are cruel people. They're not cruel people. They care about other folks. Quit, quit saying that kind of stuff. People don't get vaccine, don't care about people. Quit saying that kind of stuff. That's just divisive talk. It'll go nowhere. I still believe that you have a right to your the sanctity of your body. You know, I know they can hold you down and do whatever they want to you, but I still believe that you have a God-given right to the sanctity of your body, and you just decide how you want to do it. That's what this is saying. Verse verse four: Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To him, to his own master, he standeth or falleth. Yea. He shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Be careful when you're judging this other person, which you don't own or you don't have any investment in, or he's not yours or she's not yours. It's God who made everybody, so just let it go. One man esteemeth one day above another, and another esteemeth one day alike, every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind that that is the key right there. 
For he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. So the massless person thanks God, and the mass person thanks God. We just both thank God. And that's where we are as Christians. Because this is the key verse, verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man, no person, dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I believe there's a twofold purpose of this text. The first, the first purpose for the text here in verse 7 is a warning, really a warning to every person out there. For none of us lives to himself. In other words, if I'm going to put it this way, none of us are without influence. Are you with me? None of us are without influence. Uh, and none of us die to ourselves. It makes a difference. It changes things. It impacts things. There are ripples that go out of our life. You're making constantly making ripples or influence rings, as it were, that go out into the people around you. And by the way, you influence somebody, they influence somebody else, they influence, where does that end? Almost never. It goes out, almost out through the world. You never know who you're going to influence. Every person, every person has some degree of influence. The power of persons or things to produce effects on others, that's the official definition, by the way especially by imperceptible or indirect means. That's kind of the technical definition. I tell some people, well, go ahead and smoke your cigarettes, but you're influencing others to smoke. Go ahead and drink your booze, but you're influencing others to drink. You say, I can control my booze, but the next guy may not be able to. Miss Sunday evening church, go ahead and make a habit of it, but you're influencing somebody to miss Sunday evening church, which may be the difference between, between salvation, if I may say, and not. Uh, get divorced and get remarried a few times, but uh, you're influencing others and encourage them to do it. Uh, use dirty stories and shaded jokes. Go ahead, but you're influencing others to use dirty stories and shaded, shaded truth, uh, influence it. Yeah. Cheat on your taxes. Okay, go ahead. Take cash so you can avoid recording it on your income. Influence others. You say, I can't tell you how many people have said when I laid floor covering, if I pay you cash, is it less money? I got so tired of that that I used to tell them this. It's 600 bucks if you pay me by check. It's 800 bucks if you pay me by cash. And they looked at me like, what? Are you crazy? And I said, right, because I just hate to handle cash, and it's going to cost you more. They would say, oh, you are nuts. I'm going to pay you by check. I said, that's what I'm hoping for, because at least I can record it and make sure I don't cheat the government. Steal your employer's time, tools, materials, but you're going to influence somebody else to do the same. Lie in front of your children by telling them when somebody calls you you don't want to talk to, tell them I'm not here. Go ahead and lie. But you're hurting somebody. You're influencing somebody uh, maybe to be a liar also. Go ahead and don't spank your children because you feel like, well, maybe the Bible just don't understand quite how to raise children and you're going to influence somebody by not doing what you're by not doing right towards your children. You're going to influence other people not to do right by their children. And that influence member just keeps going, keeps ringing out like that. You say, Pre -pre preacher, I didn't know I was so powerful. 
oh, my brother, sister, you're powerful. Every move you make, every, everything you say. I believe 14.7 of Romans is a sober warning uh, that none of us liveth unto himself and none of us die to himself. The second purpose for the text, I also believe, is an opportunity of a lifetime. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. I have the opportunity to influence people for good. Now, I mentioned the whole list of relatively bad things to influence people, and there's many more, but there also can be this whole list of good things I can influence people to do and go through my whole life influencing people to be more like God and influencing them to do the right thing, stand up for God, be right. Just like we're warned and careful not to help others do badly, we're thoroughly given the opportunity to help others do well. We have some rules of engagement. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good morals. That means evil, the word communication means your way of life. Uh, you know the word corrupts means to defile or change in a bad way. And manners there, corrupts good manners, it says that actually is your moral habits of life. So what we got to realize and influence that evil influences good more than good influences evil. That's Bible. Good does not have the same influence as evil has. Why? This is whose world is this? It's not my father's world. The saying is that you could sing a song that way. It's really, really, to be honest with you, this is not the world God wants. God's a, in, in many ways, God's ashamed of this place. Sin reigns in this place. That's anti-God. You haven't seen the world he wants, but you will. You born-again believers are going to get to see the world God wants. Well, it's going to make this world look like a cesspool. Uh, even though there are many beautiful things in this earth, then I thought about that because I like flowers and I like all this stuff, yet that is not, that, that is, all those things are reigning, as Romans chapter 8 say, all those things are living and with the curse, the curse of sin upon them. Imagine what, when the world, he makes a new heaven and a new earth, what that thing's going to be like. Woo, you can't imagine it. You can't imagine it. Don't feel sorry for people who die. Feel sorry for people who stay behind. You say, Brother Bill, that's negative. Well, when Jesus was being led to Calvary, he had been scourged already by the Romans. Not many people lived through that, but he had been scourged by the Romans. He had been mocked, spit upon. He was carrying his own cross. And, and, he, and he turns around. The women are, are following, weeping, you know, and, and throwing a fit about him being crucified and being treated that way. The women, there's women following Morning, and he says, stops, and basically, I'm going to paraphrase this, but he says, don't cry for me, girls. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Where was Jesus going? He was going to Calvary, going to heaven. Where were they going? 
they were going to have to stay here. And he says, feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel sorry for me. Even though really anybody that's right mind would have looked at Jesus and said, whoa, it's so bad what you're going through. And it was bad. It was awful. But he understood bigger picture. And so when you see a born-again believer die, man, whoo. Now, I'm not saying you ought to go out and try to kill yourself. And I'm not saying you ought to go out and eat yourself to death. I'm not trying to say all that stuff. You want to live as long as you can by the grace of God because we're soldiers of the cross and we're supposed to be an influence in this old dark place for the light of the world, which is Jesus. And we're supposed to be the salt of the world, holding some of the evil back in it. And we do, by the way, hold evil back by our presence, very much so. And so there's some, there's some engagement things here as, as, we trend to, as, as we tend to do some good influencing. We under, need to understand that good does not influence as evil as much as evil influences good. Because we possess the old man or the depraved nature and it's still with us, we are somewhat susceptible to attack by evil, especially if it is in friendly companionship or, or friendship. I don't go to strip joints to win girls to Christ. Make sense to you? Now, they need to be saved but I'm not going to go there to give them the gospel. Why? I'll be there pretty soon. I'll be one of their customers. You say, Preacher Bill, I'm sorry, but, you know, the old man in me, he's as good today as he was. He's as good today as he was when he was 18 years old. The body he's in, not as good. But the old man is, is wicked. I wish I could tell you my old nature's gotten better. Well, I'll be honest with you, I think he took a turn for the worse. I think old man took a turn for the worse. I mean it. I mean, have you ever heard a dirty old man? I know you heard a grumpy old man. But there are such things as dirty old man. That's because the evil nature doesn't get better with time. It keeps getting worse and more deprived and low. And <clears throat> much as I'd like to tell you, when I got born again, God took my old nature away from me. And like the old Methodists used to say, they weren't able to sin anymore. Boy, would I like that. That was a doctrine I wanted to believe, but never could find it in the Bible. They used to have it called, it's called eradication of the old nature. Man, I wish I had eradication of the old nature. I'd want to get delivered, deliver me, take the old nature away from me. I had an old Methodist tell me one time, I haven't sinned in 20 years. I said, you are lying right now. He got mad at me and threw me out. I said, be angry, sin not. Now, here's what I felt bad about. He had sinned in those 20 years, but he wasn't confessing any of it. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. You got to realize your sin. You got to tell God it was sin, agree with him with what it does. Then he says, you're under the blood. I'll forgive you. But if you're going around saying, I haven't sinned, I haven't sinned, I haven't sinned, you're not getting your sins forgiven. I felt bad for that boy. He had 20 years of backlog. <clears throat> I know. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators. So, in my influence of this world, I have to be careful as a born-again believer not to get around the wrong crowd in the midst of their sin because that evil influences good more than good influences evil. And evil company corrupts good manners or corrupts good morals. And going back to that verse, the principle is real clear. 
I have to be careful as I'm influencing, not to get so close to it that it draws me in it and ruins my testimony. <clears throat> Yet Paul says, you are not altogether with fornicators of this word or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. He says, there's no way to stay away from all of them. But in verse 11 it says, but now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that's called a brother for sure be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard or extortioner from such a one. No, don't eat with them. Don't even eat with them. That why? You, first of all, will condone what they're doing by eating with them. And the second thing is they'll influence you to go easy on it when you shouldn't. You'll condone it and then go easy on it because the influence of it. First, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 says, If any man obey not the words of this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. In other words, take your influence away from him there, uh, that he may be ashamed. The word company there means to mix together. So we have to be careful in our influence that we don't get so close to the things of the world that we get drawn in them. There are certain places that I can be and be a witness, and then certain places that I cannot be. We had a, a couple in our, in our school, and they had a daughter, pretty daughter, pretty daughter, platinum blonde girl, pretty girl. She was probably, I'm going to say, 10th grade, and she wanted to be a model. And so she went to a model company, and they, they used her, for some shooting of, of things, and she was put in some positions that were not morally correct. And, and her picture appeared in a Bonita Banner, or it was the Fort Myers News Press, or it may have was, and maybe it was the Naples, I don't know. But one of our suite members brought the newspaper in and showed it to me and says, can you believe this? Isn't this one of our... Well, I said, well, how do you know? Well, at the bottom of the picture it said, a student at Gospel Baptist Christian School. I said she couldn't even be smart enough to put a school at a sterile high school. Uh, she couldn't put like a sterile high school. No, she wouldn't lie about that. But she put Gospel Baptist Christian School on there. And man, that's a bad black eye for us. So I called her in the office, called her mom and dad in the office, and I said, this girl cannot do this and be a a student at Gospel Baptist Church. It's a bad influence, bad testimony. She's doing something. Well, she wants to be a Christian, and Christians can do anything anywhere with anyone. I said, so she can be a bartender? Yep, she can be a bartender. Well, let me get ridiculous. Could she be a stripper? Well, they didn't want to say, well, I don't think she'll be. I said, but now, wait a minute. Where does the logic stop? Where do you draw the line? I said, right now, she's already had her testimony compromised by, by, a, by a, some vile man that put her in a position to model that she shouldn't have been in. I don't want to go into de detail on it, but it just was wrong. And they said, well, we're going to, we're going to, we, we believe it's okay. I said, you can believe it's okay, but she's not no longer a student at our, at our school. She's not welcome here any longer. And we uh, um, asked her to leave. So in, in, in our uh, influence, as it were, on others around us, that no man is an island, no man lives alone, no man dieth alone, you understand in our influence, we've got to be careful 
not to get too close to those sometimes of those things which we want to influence. I believe you can influence like crazy. We have an opportunity to influence for good in, in God's work. Think of Esther. Think of Esther, the influence of, of Esther. I mean, what in the world? Saved a whole nation. Think of the influence uh, of Joseph. Joseph saved a whole nation. Think of the influence of David. Well, thousands of people he's blessed by writing the Psalms God used through him. Think of the influence of countless nameless wives had on history through giving advice uh, in the bedrooms behind the scenes to their husbands, presidents, kings, priests, and other leaders, giving them some good advice that nobody ever heard but the individual, but he made the right decision because his wife was there. Boy, you women, don't, I don't know if you understand your power to hold your man from going left. Don't let him go left. You keep him back. You keep talking to him. Talk him down off the cliff, you know. A lot of things are decided in the quiet of two people, husband and wife, being together. And really at a vulnerable time of making decisions, the wife will go, I just think you ought to do what's right. I think you ought to obey the Bible and let the money go down the road or something like that. And it'll make a difference. And the guy will go, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll do what's right. Whoa, good influence. I think of Hannah, the influence that she had on Samuel, her son. I think of Sarah, the influence she had on Isaac. I think of Rachel, the influence she had on Joseph, her son. I think of Jezebel, the influence she had on Ahab. I think of Herodias, the influence she had on Herod the Great. And if I may say, the influence she had on John the Baptist. Herodias danced before Herod the Great. You all remember that? Must have been some kind of dance. It impressed him so much, he said, I'll give you a third of the kingdom and whatever you want. He said, well, give me the head of John the Baptist and a charger, and he was grieved about that. But the Bible says he kept his word because of those around him. And John the Baptist lost his head, and his influence was ended on earth because of that little girl, Herodias. And you could go down the list of the Bible. is replete with people who had positive influence and negative influence. Uh, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be a blessing to your husband, an encouragement to your husband for righteousness, ladies? Men, are you going to be an encouragement to your local church, an encouragement to your work for righteousness and truth? Or are you going to pull people down by doing your own thing and pleasing your flesh and satisfying your lusts? And it'll hurt people. I'll live to myself. It won't make any difference. It will make a difference. The Bible says it does. No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. I believe everybody has the opportunity to influence folks around them. I believe an honest life lived for God's powerful. Powerful. And only God knows how powerful it is. And I don't, I don't even think influence stops when you die. Here's what I'll tell you. I worked with a guy by the name of Pastor Harry McKinney. His initials were H-A-M, Ham. And we used to laugh and laugh about that. Harry A. McKinney was a wonderful Christian man. I mean, what? before I came here to gospel and, and helped with this work, uh, back in, uh, it was March of 1980, uh, before I came here, I had been to another work where the pastor had really disappointed me. I was a young guy looking up to a guy, trying to find a guy to work with, and I got disappointed there. And 
And, you know, I thought that maybe these people, they're just, you know, maybe they're more into using me than helping me and back and forth and all that. You sometimes feel like you get manipulated. And so I came here and, oh, Harry McKinney, you know what I learned by Harry? He cared about me. I mean, he really cared about me. He wanted me to succeed. He wanted me to do well. And he invested in me those 12 years I worked with him. What a difference it made in my life. I often think back, what would it have been like without Harry McKinney's influence on my life? Now, Harry McKinney was a humble guy. <clears throat> Never thought really he did much for God. He always pastored real small churches. He said, I've really not done it. I said, oh, pastor, you cannot judge yourself like that. You don't, have an, you don't have a clue what you've done in life. He pastored seven different little churches, helped them through his life. He got saved. He was a bartender, 30-some years old. Uh, serving drinks, got born from above, went to Moody Bible Institute and, and graduated, I think, in 1951 when Moody was a good, solid work back then and pastored until uh, I think he died at 80 years old, about how old he was when he died. What an influence he's had. Now, I am still moving his influence forward. The dead are still speaking. Chris Powell influenced me for good. Jim McCullum influenced me for good. Ernie Stewart influenced me for good. Dick Carr influenced me for good. Don Woodard influenced me for good. And then there's women that influenced me for good. Viola Coop, Viola Witt and Viola Cooper. Viola Cooper. And I can't even come up with all the names of these girls who encouraged me and prayed for me and helped me as a man, individual. And then their influence, those people are all gone now. And those people, yet though they're gone, their influence still lives through me. And then I influence others, and their influence goes through me to, to somebody else. Are you getting where this is going? There's no end to this thing. It just keeps multiplying itself out, replicating, and influencing by the grace of God. I hope you care about other people. I think of the guy of Jack Weathers. Now, maybe you don't know Mary Weathers, but I knew Jack Weathers pretty well. Jack Weathers, uh, unbelievable guy. Always had something to say about it. Had a whole list of sayings that he influenced uh, me with, his kids with. I think of Phyllis Stewart. Her children rose up and called her blessed when she died. I've been to numbers of funerals, brother, where I've seen the influence of people come to fruition, at least through their children. I think of Dwight Patterson, pastor 42 years in Kokomo, Indiana. Oh, Dwight Patterson, man, I, I sang for you a song he, he just... It, that has literally almost changed, to some degree, changed my life. Hearing him sing, there's no, there's, I've never lost the wonder of it all. Man, I, I, my mind floods with the stories of people here at the gospel who, who've encouraged me and helped me, and I, they help me, and I help them, and they help me, and Brother Tom helps me. And, and what we're doing, there's a constant influence here of we're helping each other and raising each other up, up, up pushing each other, as it were, towards heaven, pushing you towards the light. I've been told that when a dolphin porpoise has a baby, they, they're uh, air-breathing. Are they a mammal? I'll go to the veterinarians on this. Well, they, they, they swim in the water all the time, but they're mammals. They have live birth. And I heard that when they have a baby, it's in the water. that They'll, they'll get their nose under that baby and take them up to the, up to the surface so the baby can, now the baby has to know to breathe pretty pretty good, you know, right? But the baby will get up to the surface and breathe. 
And also there's been cases, too many to be wrong, of people that are drowning. And a dolphin can tell you breathe oxygen because they can sound out in you. They do ultrasound of you is what they really do. This is what they say. They can look in you. And they see your air breathing. And there's been drowning people said a dolphin came up under them and raised them to the surface and saved them. I mean, there's just too many testimonies for maybe one or two of them are false, but they can't all be false. And, and it's possible that they did that. Um, but I think as we, like those dolphins, we try to keep people pushing towards the light. I just keep pushing you towards heaven, pushing you towards the Bible, pushing you towards the old King James Bible, pushing you stuff that's reliable, stuff that's repeatable, stuff that's, that has eternal value. The world wants you to waste and spend all you got on junk that'll be burnt up and gone. I'm reading the book of Ecclesiastes. I recommend it highly for anybody and everybody, especially young people. Young people, book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon had it all. He had everything. everything. Tried everything, did everything, built everything, and all he said at the end of it was, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Why? you got to leave it and give it to somebody else, and you don't know who you're giving it to. They're even going to care about it. And from what I've seen, they won't. He said, what's the whole duty of man? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's what he said to do. That's the wisest man ever lived, even though he was a fool when it came to women. Amen, all the men said. I told my wife he had every kind of woman you could ever have, every color hair, every color skin, every shape, every everything. And he all he said at the end of that whole thing was vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. Or was he the one that said you can't have two women in the kitchen? I don't know. His kitchen was packed, all I can tell you. But uh, nobody lives to himself. Nobody dies to himself. Father, help us tonight. May we have wisdom from above. May Lord God, we get it. May we not go through this life whistling Dixie, not caring, not planning, not making, paying attention. May we be, may we be uh, frosty. May, may we understand that every day we goes by is another opportunity. It's a warning not to do wrong and not to hurt people, but it's an opportunity to have a good influence on those people around us. And what an opportunity. Someday that'll be over. And may you, Lord, even when we're gone, may may our influence go on for God and good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.